Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete. I'm Kerry Rouse, and I travel to racetracks around the U.S., where I interview members of the racing community and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. I'm here with Brian Heitman, and yep. we are at Road America for the June Sprints 2023. This is Sunday, and um, it's definitely been an adventure for the weekend, yeah. but I want to talk a little bit about just, just what's happening in your world right now for sure. racing is it is it uh what cars are you racing what series are you racing what what are you what you're doing this year sure so i have kind of what you call gone off the deep end into uh, driving tracking racing uh etc um, i've been on a much accelerated schedule uh in the last two years i would say um can get into some of the history if you like but yeah. i currently uh am driving an mx5 global cup car and had some friends kind of get me into uh, tracking a couple of years ago. Um, I had seen my, my aviation friends, general aviation friends, had a number of them across the country. And a good friend of mine has been tracking here at Road America. He's a local driver um, for some time. Uh, street cars, and he eventually got into uh, some race cars as well, <clears throat> like a Radical SR3 uh, most recently. Um, he, he currently races here at SCCA and Specboard Racer. Um, but uh, I, I had seen kind of what he had, had done, and during COVID, um, we kind of all decided to purchase simulators. And <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. And so uh, we all had iRacing and kind of uh, played around uh, on the internet there a little bit, and um, we really fell in love with this MX5 Global Cup car. Um, and on on the sim racing. On the simulator, okay. Because you know when when we load up the uh, iRacing, everyone at least at least us wanted to go with the fastest car we could get, right? Sure. And that lasted about a half a lap and no one could keep it on track. <laughs> so the only race that we could actually complete was the MX-5 Global Cup car. And everyone was, you know, close racing on the simulator. And okay. so we kind of, you know, the, the game kind of made us fall in love with, with the car. <laughs> uh, and, you know, one thing led to another, but, um, you know, one, one, one of our friends got one and another one got one, and I was driving an M2 competition streetcar at the time, just doing HPDs, and I was re really, really close to putting a full cage in it. It already had a half cage in it, had some AP racing brakes and that sort of thing, and I was doing the math of what I could sell it for, doing the math of how much I'd already put into the car, and thought, well, it's not that much more to just fully cage it, but then you think, that car is never going to be the same, and yeah. it's pretty much a full race car from here on out. Yeah. So I decided, you know what, maybe that's a little bit too fast as well. Let's, let's consider it a factory-built race car, right? Uh, and so I, last year, decided to go ahead and, and purchase one and stop driving the M2. Uh, we had completed, a, a few of us had completed SCCA race school with the Primal in, in Atlanta. Uh, driving the Radical SR1. Now, when and was that? That was actually just in <clears throat> March of 2022. Okay. So I have not been racing like, like a year. Long. Yeah. And so the MX-5 Global Cup car, uh, a few of us were supposed to have one and uh, kind of drive it together, you know, begin racing and that sort of thing. Um, my my friend that kind of got, got us into that um, did change course and actually switch to a spec uh, Ford racer. 
Um, but another friend of mine, uh, which I think you interviewed yesterday, yeah. uh, the Rainies, yep. uh, they kept theirs, and uh, we've been we've been kind of running together a little bit. But <clears throat> the uh, MX-5 was was an interesting story. I was supposed to take delivery of it in Florida, which built in Daytona there with Liz Performance, and run it at the uh, Audi Club event there at Daytona. The car was actually ready months early and decided to have it you know, shipped to Kansas City. The, uh, the first event was Grid Life there at Heartland Park, my, my home track in Topeka. Um, and I decided to just have it delivered and it was supposed to be there a couple weeks prior, but due to the hurricanes, it was delayed. And I was supposed to run it during an HPD the weekend before and then do my first race with Grid Life um, that next weekend. Because of the hurricane delays, um, the car arrived the day before the Grid Life event and it quite literally was delivered to the track and in my first race without even having everything quite set up. Um, so that was probably a little dumb, but my goal was just to hang in the back of the pack, get some racing experience. Um, but boy, it was um, learning uh, learning quickly out yeah. there with a bunch of racers that are highly experienced and not even having quite all my mirrors set up correctly. So <laughs> maybe not the smartest move, but uh, avoided any carnage. There was even a few incidences on the start and I was able to avoid that and uh, get some some learning experience uh, racing. So, yeah. wow. So that was that was Marchish or so. So that would have been uh, October of 2022, <laughs> and um, and so things have evolved very quickly. Like yeah. I say, it yeah. wasn't only a couple of years ago I actually brought a Tesla before I had any street cars uh, or track cars to run up here to Road America and ran with Porsche Club. Okay. So great organization, but really terrible car to learn tracking yeah. for a number of different reasons. And there's nothing wrong with the Tesla. I think that you know eventually when we get superchargers at tracks, um, it's going to be quite interesting. Um, and it's you know it's a heavy car, but it's got a low center of gravity. The the challenge though with learning tracking is that the power cut that happens with overheat um, really makes learning difficult because every corner you're going into is a different speed on every lap, uh, and you've got the regenerative braking, which complicates things with car control. So. Interesting car, not a great learning car. Um, so move to the M2 competition after that. Yeah. So walk me through since October. What? When have you been on track with you know wheel to wheel with other cars? With with the MX5. Yes. Yep. MX5. <clears throat> so let's see. Uh, after the Grid Life event, I attended a NASA race that next weekend. So got some more. You had experience. an SCCA license. Yes, that's correct. So I, t with the uh, Primal Racing School in March of 2022, um, I did get my SCCA credentials. It was, was that good for grid life and for So every, every organization has their own sort of competition license requirements. Uh -huh. Some organizations will take a comp license and actually give you one or maybe a novice permit um, in that particular organization because uh -huh. they see you have prior racing experience. Well, how did it work for Grid Life then? So Grid Life was a similar similar situation. If you have don't have any SSCA or NASA credentials, you can go to Grid Life and work your way up through their progression and become a competition driver. If you have prior racing experience, they may allow you to uh, enter into a race directly, which in my case I was able to because I had attended race school. Um, but I was still under a novice permit until I got so many races. And some, some organizations require a couple events, some require six events, 
Got et cetera, it. et cetera. But the race school that you attended that was accepted by Gridlife was the SCCA. That's correct. That's yes. the school. And then, SCCA is, I mean, being one of the largest organizations, is well-respected okay. and able to be used in a lot of other organizations. What about the NASA side? How did... Yeah, work. NASA. I've learned a lot about NASA over over the years. I, I did not realize when I had started running with NASA, which is more popular in our region, by the way, in Kansas City. Uh, I did not realize that there are kind of individual ownership groups oh. based on regions, and that does create some interesting um, situations that occur out there with with that. And it's, it's a great organization. Uh, they have HPD progression all the way up to racing, um, but it is a little bit different in SCCA in that it does combine HPD with racing. Okay, yeah. and in did they require you to do any special training, or were you on provisional with them when you rode? Yeah, see, um, or were you just I, doing DE stuff? Yeah, them? so I, I think that NASA, as I recall, did allow me to go and receive a full competition with the SCCA school. Okay, all right. Um, but I have heard others where they had to go through the progression, and again, that kind of gets into some regional specific yeah. things okay um so so tell me so that you were going through the events and we talked about what you were going about to talk about the nasa event i think you were yeah so my, my next event was the the nasa event there at heartland park and again trying to kind of uh further my racing experience um i had i it, I, I will i will say the mx5 global cup car is a easy car to drive hard um you know you can get up to speed very quickly you know it slides pretty neutral um, of course, I have an accident to talk about Road America, but uh, um, you know the car is a fairly easy car to drive. Yeah. And so, but what I didn't have is any racing experience. And so, it took several races to kind of get that aggression to be able to race. Yeah. Um, I it, I learn a little bit differently. I'm not a super overly aggressive person typically. And so I've been a very timid driver working my way up. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's been an experience. Yeah, yeah. So Na Heartland Park, NASA. Yep. That one was that? It was... <clears throat> that was also October of 2022. Okay, so you were hitting a lot right there. I what? was hitting a lot. What then else the car was shipped to Florida. I okay. ran the Daytona event down there. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> which, whose organization was that with? That was Audi Club. And okay. <clears throat> the interesting thing about Audi Club is that you have a lot of the Global MX-5 Cup racers that use that for practice. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, they were in they were in a different um, run group. We probably should have signed up for that run group, but we were in advanced, and my friends and I uh, that that uh, do this, and we actually ended up switching back to novice at the time because Daytona is such a large track. We were really doing well at the infield, but then every time we got to the oval, we were being passed by extremely fast cars and then yeah. held up again. So we decided to switch to novice, and we, you know, we didn't have great open lapping, but it was a little better for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What What happened after Daytona? So after Daytona, um, the car went to BSI, uh, which is Hicksa Motorsports down there in in Daytona, and the goal was to run a few HPDs down there, continue getting experience in the car. Uh, we had a little bit of pressure from some of my friends to go ahead and sign up for some SCCA events down there. And ended up signing up for the Sebring okay. uh, SCCA Super Tour event. Yep, yep. Um, this is a touring car, and the car counts are not quite as big. Um, Super Tours are really only way for us to get any car counts. Regional events, especially in my region, there just isn't cars. And so it's not really going to get good experience. And so we wanted to use Super Tours, especially for touring. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, my engine died. Um, 
may have been driver error. We're not really quite sure there. Um, but uh, it did die in the rain in qualifying. Oh. I did end up qualifying P2 uh, before my, uh, my engine died. So, Jeez. Yeah, that was unfortunate. We tried to get a new motor, uh, but weren't able to get it installed in time. And it, it probably was fine that we didn't because once the engine was ultimately installed, we had other issues yeah. with the car that had to yeah. be repaired. We didn't have parts for it. So that was January. That was January. <clears throat> so I came back down to Florida uh, to Sebring, to a Chinavin, I believe, and to shake out the new engine, get that going. And then ultimately the car was shipped to Texas to run with Chris Taylor, and that's how I met Chris Taylor and running the Coda um, Super Tour In down February. there. So I ran, yeah. I ran a Chin event at Coda to get some Coda experience. Yeah. And then the next weekend I uh, did racing down there. So was happy with the pace, but Coda was really a changing point for me in terms of my racing because I had, I had some friends down there as well. The Rainies were down there as well. I was a little slower than they were, but not, not by much. Um, but what I really noticed is they had more racing experience and were able to kind of get in front of the field quite a bit easier. And I was a little timid on the starts. And so my goal after Coda was to improve my racing for the first three quarters of a lap to lap. Mm -hmm. That was my goal. Yeah. And um, moving back to Kansas City, ran some NASA events, Ozarks International Raceway oh, wow. is, a, is, yeah. a, is a home track of mine, very interesting track. Um, and so got some more racing experience there in Heartland Park with NASA, and uh, I've definitely improved my, my driving. So. Man, you definitely accelerated. Actually, of all the people I've interviewed, I don't know that I've met everybody, anybody who has done SCCA, NASA, Grid Life, Chin Events, yeah. uh, Club Events, all within like a nine-month period. Like I say, I have gone off the deep end with this well, that's, pretty hard. But that's so. awesome, though. I mean, are you having a blast? <laughs> I am having a blast, yes. It is drinking from a fire hose, but uh, having a blast. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the Ozarks track, and it was interesting. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. For people who haven't been there, what can they expect? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I would just like to say that there has been a lot of negative things out there published about Ozarks. You know, I think that what really hurt the track is some on field, uh, on, on track videos were published very early on when the track wasn't completely finished. And one of the things about video, and, and we'll just take iRacing as, as an example, if anyone's driven iRacing and then they've gone to the track, one of the things they'll notice is, wow, it looks different, it, it sort of feels different. Like everything is there, everything's in the right place, but the field of view just looks a little different. And that's the interesting thing about video. Everyone kind of wants the widest field of view with their video, right? To see everything. What that does is it distorts the depth perception. And so what happened at Ozarks is those videos were published and it really didn't give a good idea of really how far, how wide the track is, how far away the Armco is, things like that. And so <clears throat> people were very concerned about safety there with the blind corners and things like that. Um, I first went to the track actually in November of 2021, I believe it was, and with my M2 streetcar and had to kind of learn the track. There is a lot of blind corners, but if you study the track maps, you get a good day there, you really learn the track and learn where things go. And <coughs> it, it, what you find is that track just flows. And we think of all the corners, I don't know how many corners it's got, a, a lot of them. Um, we think that, you know, that's fairly technical track but having got more experience there, I realized this track is a high-speed sweeping track. Um, so it, it, it just, it's just a great track and um, 
there is there is Armco there, uh -huh. and it is not particularly forgiving of, uh, of of major issues, but it is doesn't have the reputation or doesn't deserve the reputation that it's got out yeah. there. If yeah. you haven't been there, I highly recommend it. Would probably start with an HPD day so you can learn the track before you race it. So this this massive rush that you put on, you've been to quite a few tracks. Any favorites? Oh gosh, um, it changes over time. Okay. Um, probably one track in my driving experience that really started driving harder was Sebring. Um, I had the year prior, which we haven't talked about, but I had my MT streetcar down there. And that really, uh, really opened up my eyes in terms of you know driving a car hard. I think that the flatness of Sebring probably helped with that. Yeah. When we when we have to deal with elevation, it just adds another complication. Yeah. So um, I was when I came to Road America, I was very timid at first. Um, you know, in an M2 streetcar, you're getting up to 145, 150 on some of these straights, breaking deep into them is interesting, especially coming down turn five. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> turn five is a. Uh, I, I I was here last year and <clears throat> I just could not get that corner right. I mean, I could not avoid running wide and you know i kept on thinking i was correcting coming into it never did <laughs> yeah yeah and it went out way too wide one time into the grass which was ended up you know off-roading flying through the air it seemed but um but yeah and I, that was before the track was uh, repaved uh -huh. have you you've been on it before and after <clears throat> that absolutely yes <clears throat> uh, i had my m2 car here last year and uh Ran well, uh, did did a great job there. Actually, at that point, I was running takeoff slicks uh, as well as some Falcon RT660s. But um, yeah, I, it was it was a great time and uh, got some experience there. So it was very interesting to come and check out the new pavement. I've heard both positive and negative things about it, and wanted to kind of see it for myself. Well, what's your what's your um, take on the new? My, my it, it's hard because I wasn't running the same car on the old pavement and the new pavement to really know for sure. But yeah. it certainly seems like there is more grip and the track is faster. Now. <clears throat> and we see that in all the lap times from other drivers that have had the same car here year after year. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is, is, is probably true is some of the offline parts of the track are a little bit more slippery. Um, you know, I, I think that, that that is correct. I don't think it's too bad but there is a few areas that certainly i could i could see that yeah um and we, we won't spend much time in this but um you know you you weren't able to race a full day yesterday that's correct so had an incident near the kink right yes unfortunately yeah um is, do you feel like that's one of those spots that are a little slippery a little offline a little bit yeah i mean the, <coughs> the kink has always been something that in every driver's meeting if you've been to road america they will tell you there is every paint color on the walls of this this track from the kink to canada and uh, if you don't think uh you're not at risk um you know you uh you better check yourself so um <clears throat> yes the kink has always been something to be concerned about as a driver uh make sure you get it right get yeah. the line right yeah um when i had the m2 i was very cautious you know they and I, I started from being a cautious driver mm -hmm. and uh, I, I wanted to work up to it. And so I had to really talk to a lot of local drivers to figure out how I should take this corner. And one of the best advice I got in my M2 was stop worrying about two pedals, stop worrying about the brake. Um, and what he said is basically go to the bridge, lift and just coast through it. Most cars don't take my advice because you may have an exception. Most cars can get through it just fine um, lifting at that point. And that 
was a huge eye-opener for me because I did not want to fiddle with the brake and potentially um, you know, hold the brake as I begin the turn uh, at that particular corner because that could be very dangerous. Um, so that, that, was, that was a huge help, and then I was able to continue pushing further and further with my streetcar. Obviously, it didn't have a suspension. It was stock. You know, it's not going to get through there with, with a lot of power. Um, taking that uh, to the MX-5 Global Cup car, obviously a great cornering machine. And I, what I did coming into <clears throat> Road America was that I reviewed the pros driving this car and seeing what their in-car video looked like on their brake and throttle traces to kind of learn. Uh, for the pros, that is not a flat corner, the kink. Uh, they do lift there. Um, now, they haven't been here since the new pavement, so we'll see. I'm sure somebody's going to try uh, going <laughs> flat in the kink uh, yeah. at the MX-5 Global, Global Cup race <clears throat> coming up. But, um, but anyway, I've uh, been, been getting through there uh, good and practice Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, getting to Friday, we had, unfortunately, a couple qualifying sessions that uh, did not end well. They were black flagged early, things like that. And so getting to our second qualifying session of Touring 3 in the afternoon, I elected to go ahead and use my practice tires. Um, I thought that I was getting good pace with the practice tires, and I wanted to save my, my yeah. fresh slicks for the race on Saturday. And <clears throat> we had a good outlap. It was kind of hot, so my tires came alive very quickly. Um, was running with a teammate of mine and I, same, same car. And in the first hot lap, tires felt great. Did a little bump drafting and one, going into one and, and turn mm -hmm. five. Uh, got around the carousel just fine. Actually, it was flying around the carousel. Got a great exit out of the carousel. Probably leads to um, you know, some of my issues here. And uh, kind of just did the same thing. And uh, you know, I, I, I lift a little bit. And I was running, my goal was to run probably about eight tenths for this lap. I, had not, I was not fully committed to running super hard. And I, I lifted there straight ahead, got onto power, looking at the data, and on power, got to the apex, got to turn out. And what appeared to be the case is that I was overly concerned about ramming my yeah. teammate yeah. pretty hard um, because I think he got through the corner a little bit slower than I did. Yeah. And so what we looked in the data is I had power, uh, about 30% power, that we're dealing with a 160 wheel horsepower car here, so not a lot. Uh, and it looked like there was a slight lift in the data, and that might have been just enough to get the, the rear end loose. I end up sideways. I knew it's over. Yeah. Not going to save it. Went to brake, impacted the right wall, <clears throat> but also sliding forward. The impact was heavy, but not major. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I was hit, unfortunately. Oh, in, I didn't in the, even know in, that. In the front of the car, correct, which was a little <clears throat> bit bigger impact. Oh, wow. Thankfully, all the safety gear did its job. Uh, the Road America crew and safety crew were really excellent. They got to me extremely fast uh, and uh, went through medical just to, just to be on the safe side and uh, gave me a clean bill of health and my helmet and everything was, was okay. Good. So that's, that's great. That's so the important thing is that you know, everyone was okay. But I, I gotta tell you, sitting on track with a disabled car after the kink is pretty scary. Yeah. Because there's a lot of fast cars coming behind you and there's not much they can do. It's a very, very narrow section of track. So you quite literally are a sitting duck there. And the most comforting feeling in the world is seeing the car slow down to about 20 to 30 and passing you. Yeah. So my, my advice out there is pay attention to yellow flags. Um, please slow, you just might save somebody. Yeah. What way were you facing when you ended up stopping? 
So I was I was still facing the the right wall, okay. perpendicular to the track. Okay. And the back of the car was maybe just off track, um, on the be the left side of the track. Yeah, yeah, but um, most of the car was on pavement still. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a good spot. My gosh. It's certainly not. Uh, your your body was on the 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 far side. In case somebody were to come around, that that's correct. I'm I'm very fortunate. I did not get T-bones. Yeah. Um, that would have been fairly fairly major. I suspect. Yeah. yeah. Probably would have totaled the car. Fortunately, it looks like the car is salvageable. Yeah. And the damage <clears throat> probably looks worse than it is. So we hope to get it repaired and and, and back racing. So um, talking about back racing. Yep. What's the plan? Yeah, well, I, I don't know exactly when the car will be repaired. Um, I had a couple of events here in July back at Ozarks. We had an SCCA and a NASA event. I was going to maybe attend one of those. At this point, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but what we haven't really talked about is some friends of mine and I have decided to run MX-5 Global Cup. Mm -hmm. And so our first race was the beginning of August. And this was really... Uh, training exercise for the cup race. Yep. And w I hope that I can get back running and actually run that event. Yeah. So. And that's going to be here? That's going to be here at Road America, yes. Gotcha. Now, yep. <clears throat> are there multiple events for that? Or? Uh, yeah, so that I believe that I, I'm new at this, so the others listening probably would know more than I, but usually they run with IMSA, and so uh, it, it's alongside that. So the MX5 Global Cup is kind of an opener to some of the bigger IMSA races. So when I was talking to Joe and Joey, they told me that uh, they have heard that SCCA is considering creating a, kind of a, a new class for Miatas. Absolutely. Uh, with And he said, well, if they do that, I mean, we're going to get some of those and yeah. race those. So yeah. w what's your thoughts on that? <clears throat> so one of the things we find with multi-class racing is that it's very difficult to just take like a factory car and it'd be expected to be, you know, a front-running car in, in a class, right? Uh, and every track is a little bit different, but the MX-5 Global Cup runs a Touring 3. Um, <clears throat> to a pro driver, they probably would be at the pointy end of that. This is a club racing event, uh, though. We're not we're not all pros, and I'm certainly not one. Um, but, uh, but anyway, multi-class racing, you know, the car counts are a little lower. And uh, like I said, we kind of have to go to Super Tours to, to find car counts. And, uh, you know, so we kind of start, as you, as you get more experience in this, start looking around to what else might be out there. Um, spec classes are kind of interesting. And I think, I think I've certainly considered a spec class, like spec Miata. Uh, but looking at sort of newer Miata, the NC chassis is certainly interesting. We have the spec MX-5 challenge going on right now. Uh, it's been going on for several years, and it looks like that's going to be with SCCA next year as a national class. And... First of all, we'd loved if we could have a home as it, with the ND chassis in that in that series with some sort of a weight penalty, similar to how Spec Miata has the NA and ND. I don't know whether that would be possible or fair. Um, that's for others to decide. Uh, but if, if that would be possible, that would probably be a good home for us yeah. with the Miatas that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, do you have anybody, uh, any sponsors? I know your family come along with you and everything yes, like that. Yes, my, my wife and, and two daughters, uh, they, they don't like uh, traveling as much, but uh, hope to get them to a race uh, here soon. Yeah. And my wife, thankfully, encourages uh, this and participates in all my crazy hobbies. So uh, it's good to have her here. I, I probably wouldn't do all of these events if she wasn't willing to, to travel. Yep. So. 
Now, do you have anybody like a sponsor or something like that helping you out? I don't. Uh, no, this is. I've been. I've been fortunate enough to be able to to do this uh, with my own financing, and so no sponsors or anything like that. Um, I, I work pretty hard and play pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. that is awesome. So. I uh, don't want to take any more time. I know you yeah. got to get out of here. Everything's loaded up. Get to watch the Spec Miata race. So. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so yeah, much. It's been you. a pleasure meeting you. All right. I know you guys were at Coda. I was at Coda, but I just didn't get a chance to meet you guys, so I'm yeah. glad I did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. good luck in the podcast. It's going to be great, uh, great to listen well, to Well, hopefully content. I get out there and race next year with the B-Spec. You guys should try B-Spec. I'm considering it. It really looks like you guys have a lot it's, of fun out there. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah. And it's cheap. <laughs> Absolutely. That's well, right here. cheaper anyway. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. That's right. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like. But I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com. And you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag. 